This episode of the e-commerce playbook podcast is brought to you by Yotpo. If you thought Yotpo was just a review app, you were wrong. Launch subscriptions on your Shopify store with Yotpo subscriptions. Go check that out by searching Yotpo subscription in the Shopify app store or just follow the link in our show notes. Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. If I sound a little stuffy, a little plugged up, that's because the plague is going through my house as it is for a lot of you. If you've got small kids or something, I just, every friend I know, I think has sick kids right now. So, uh, but otherwise it, we're undeterred. We're going to jump right into an episode today. that's going to cast a positive view of the future and perhaps suggest that there is a moment right now to capitalize uh, in the midst of a lot of doom and gloom on the e-commerce space. So uh, I'm going to tell you all about why I think that uh, now could be a unique moment just weeks after I recorded an episode about whether or not pure play D2C is dead. Just days after I recorded an episode with Taylor Holiday suggesting there's a giant debt crisis. And this is the problem, of course, with forecasting the future of total industries is it's all over the place. But I'm just going to give you some other broad thoughts, some things that are on my mind about um, what's happening in the land of e-commerce. Stay tuned. Let's jump right in. So I think it's possible that that right now there is a, a moment of unique opportunity in the land of e-commerce. Um, I think that in the midst of a lot of conversation, and I have been part of this conversation about how everything sucks in e-commerce, um, that actually right now, perhaps there is a moment in time and an opportunity for smart players to buy or invest capital at reduced prices that actually um, could perform very well in the future. Um, now, like, look, first off, disclaimer, right? None of this is going to be investing advice. Uh, this is just a reflection on something that I am um, seeing right now, basically from a viewpoint of somebody looking at a lot of different accounts at a given time. And... Um, and you know, there's there's so much doom and gloom talk, talk, and like I said, I've been part of that. Um, there's there's just this clearly challenging moment in e-commerce, and that's all completely real. So let's just start there. It's 100% real. The moment actually is really hard for lots and lots of brands, um, but um, I'm starting to wonder if that is precisely the moment that you should be pouncing on, whatever that means for your business, investing in your brand in terms of um, in terms of uh, putting more capital into customer acquisition and growth and that sort of thing. Um, it could be a matter of thinking about sort of um, broader uh, observations about sort of like how how you're thinking about the future of e-commerce and what that means for investing outside of being an operator. Um, there's a lot of different ways to think about this, but I, um, I let me just tell you kind of what I'm seeing. So first off, what I have seen over the last bunch of months and year or so, right, is the challenge of iOS 14 and the challenge of supply chain and also the post-COVID moment, whatever that means exactly, depending on what you think of COVID's future and if COVID's even over, um, that sort of thing. But you see what I'm saying, right? The, the, the peak COVID insanity of lockdowns and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but especially those first two, really. The Facebook spend, the Facebook ads stuff, as well as the um, the supply chain and, and freight and fulfillment challenges. Um those really constrained and constricted growth for e-commerce brands. Now, like, uh, if you have read or seen the book, The Outsiders, um, 
it's a great book. I think I've referenced it before about just sort of like CEOs who consistently outperformed the market, whose whose brands or whose businesses can consistently outperform the market over a long period of time, and sort of just looking at what they did to to do that. And ja, and like number the number one thing that unites them all was that they were masters of capital allocation. They were able to see in the market. Um, you know, these are public public companies, and so there's sort of a lot of games around um, how they're handling issuing stocks versus buybacks, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, you don't even need to know the specifics of sort of how all that works. If you don't, don't worry about it. The point is, they basically were able to to understand consistently how um, their business was valued relative to the market and see with unique clarity. Um, whether or not their business was overvalued or undervalued or whether or not wings of their business or other people's businesses were overvalued or undervalued relative to the options, relative to debt prices, uh, relative to, to uh, the cost of equity, basically, and, and, and make some decisions about their businesses and how to manage cash and capital movement in the businesses based on all those factors and basically play that game over a long period of time and they could win. And essentially what I'm saying is they could see very clearly whether or not their business was valued correctly. Now, this is fascinating in this moment because, you know, when I was at 4x400, I was I talked to, um, and, and even kind of coming out of 4x400, I talked to various PE, uh, private equity firm types, um, including, you know, investors and, um, you know, that, that we knew or that invested in us, one of the, could, could be either really, um, as well as some folks when I was leaving 4x400 and thinking about kind of where I wanted to go next. Uh, and all of them were all saying the same thing, right? Which is that valuations were at like this sort of all-time high. And that's because the future was super bright for e-commerce at that in those moments. And, and everybody was sort of going like, wow, this is, this is going to be crazy. Uh, you know, depending on when I talked to them, some of it was starting to come back to earth, but, but there you go. Uh, as it turns out, I talked to somebody in PE just a couple days ago who said like, you know, now as valuations have come back down, like this is the moment for PE firms to really make their money uh, because as the market has, um, I think collapsed is too strong of a word, but as the market has hurt over the last uh, however many months, that um, that now valuations have come down for brands, including in the sort of e-com space and that size of an investment, basically. Uh, and as valuations have come back down, now potentially that means there's a deal on these companies, right? It's nice to buy things that are cheaper, uh, potentially, unless they're cheaper because they're actually worth less, in which case it's not as nice to buy them. You're not getting a deal. You're getting fair price at that point. So you see what I'm saying, right? That, that like essentially there's this moment where now, as prices have potentially come back down, and and of course the other thing we talk about is something that uh, you know we I referenced uh, in my podcast with Taylor like last week, two weeks ago, uh, uh, you know Metab from Carta Ventures talking about just how many distressed businesses he's seeing. If you follow uh, Fan Buy on uh, Twitter as well, another guy who's looking at a lot of distressed businesses, and you know all of the people who are buying distressed businesses are seeing lots and lots of businesses come across, lots of brands come across their desk right now, which is bad news as a signal for sort of how things are going out there in e-commerce land. You know, you don't want those people seeing too many deals if they're into buying distressed companies because you don't want there to be too many distressed companies. Well, um, you know, that's just another signal in the market that some things are really challenging. But distressed is another word for in trouble, but it's also another word for cheap, <laughs> like that businesses are going to cost less. And here's the fascinating thing to me. Like I have recently looked at businesses that were, um, in some ways looked like they had the core of what was a really good business, but was in the moment 
pinched cash-wise in a lot of different ways and was distressed in a lot of different ways and uh, was, was distressed because of a lot of different reasons. And therefore, this thing that looked like what was fundamentally a good business over the last year has gotten beat up really, really bad. And as it's gotten beat up, the price has come down and investors want to get out. And what's so fascinating to me is how many investors there are who, you know, in this moment, immediately assume that it's going to um, be this way forever that it's going to be challenging forever as opposed to like, yeah, uh, you know, it'll turn back around. Uh, so, so the question really that I'm getting at is what is the future of the e-commerce market, uh, M&A market going to be? And, uh, and what does that mean for valuations for brands right now? And what does that mean for how you think about capital investment in your own, your own brand? Well, let me give you two reasons. I think it's possible that there are a lot of, um, brands that are in some trouble right now, but that actually have would have really good long-term prospects, especially if you have the ability to stabilize the current cash situation. Um, so, uh, so the first is, and I referenced a, a few weeks ago, some of the work I did for a brand where they had lacked visibility to... Um, to the value of their Facebook spend because of the way that first Facebook performed poorly, then Facebook had signal loss, um, and now that stuff maybe is resolving, but uh, but that had created a lot of problems, basically, for, for, for this brand, and they had shut off their Facebook spend completely, right? Well, if it's true, if it's true that Facebook is sort of solving this problem of uh, sort of how to... How to exist and how to be effective in a post iOS 14.5 world, then that means the last year is not really very indicative of what the future is going to be. And I've always believed that would be the case. Again, don't forget what Facebook's incentive is here. They have a strong financial incentive to solve this problem for their advertisers uh, and to figure out how to make the, the platform effective without um, pixel tracking working the way it used to. So um, I've always been sort of bullish on Facebook's future in that respect, but I, I just... I mean, I just think it's really interesting because if you've got businesses that are getting that got really beat up in the last year, that were growth stage businesses, they got really beat up because their growth, like their CAC, just went way up. Well, in some of those cases, first of all, their CAC actually maybe didn't go up as much as they think it did, right? Uh, depending on how they were handling the reporting, and people report and attribute all kinds of different ways here. But if you just go blended CAC, right, like new customers or new customer revenue and new customers, and you just take a look at those two numbers and total ad spend, um, then like. Like, it's possible that some of them were kind of not reporting that correctly. In which case, and especially if Facebook is recovering, and that is a major driver for growth, and it is for, for most e-com brands, who are, especially who are trying to grow quickly, then that's interesting, right? Because that now growth lever maybe is recovering enough to where, though it's still hard to see, if you have the ability to see what other people can't, then you actually might recognize, oh, this is a really important moment for me to... Uh, for, or this this could be a really valuable moment for me to go generate a bunch of growth much more profitably than somebody thinks, especially if you are um, grabbing a hold of somebody else's business where actually maybe things are more effective than, than they even realized. Hey, we talk a lot on this show about lifetime value, the importance of LTV to generate that high MER and get you a profitable store. You just cannot scale your business profitably without generating serious LTV, at least for most businesses. And you can increase your LTV with Yachtpo and specifically Yachtpo subscriptions. Subscriptions, of course, are a crucial part 
for a lot of businesses and how they're generating LTV and Yotpo subscriptions helps you launch subscriptions in just eight minutes. It connects with your Shopify checkout. So you have native Shopify checkout, which of course is the greatest checkout experience in the world. So it keeps your conversion rate high and provides a straightforward merchant experience for you, as well as gives your customer flexibility so that they not only start subscribing, but stay subscribed all the way through, reduce that churn. Just search Yapo subscriptions in the Shopify app store or click the link in the show notes to learn more. If there's a business out there, I, I was consulting with another business where there was a similar thing happening and just at, talking to them about sort of them going to market and uh, and selling and and whether or not it's reasonable to be bullish in the future. And I was looking at their challenge. They, you know, there's cash challenges in the business, but nonetheless, I, I'm really bullish on the future of this business because I don't think that the current moment of Facebook ads is forever. Um, now, the other thing that's really interesting, and I'll just footnote this, is you know Taylor made this really fascinating comment a couple of weeks ago in my episode with him, which was that he thinks it's possible that Google's Performance Max product is is Google's real true customer acquisition rival to Facebook ads across its ecosystem. And if that's true, you could have another gold rush. Uh, now, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would bet on that necessarily, but if that's true, that could be a huge deal in our space uh, if that product really is that good. So, um, so there's another factor. Okay. So Facebook maybe getting looks to me. I mean, I think every indication is that Facebook is getting better again, and especially if you ha- know how to track it. Especially if you remember the delayed attribution is real. That your seven-day re- attribution window is way too narrow, and that it's definitely underreporting the value of your Facebook spend just based on that. Before you ever talk about a, a single bit of signal loss, just not just losing the twenty-eight-day click window uh, that Facebook ads used to exist on. That that alone is is uh, shorting the value of your spend. So there's that. Now the other, of course, big constraint is supply chain. Now there's delays as challenges, manufacturing costs going up, all those things. But of course, famously, a big part of the problem is freight backlog. Um, you know, particularly overseas freight and um, and uh, ocean freight. And uh, there is some good indication that that's resolving too. I just saw, actually, it was Maytab uh, who now is getting referenced all the time on this podcast, um, tweet that containers have gone from their uh, height of on average of $20,000 per container down to $10,000 per container. So cut back in half. Now that's not all the way to sort of pre-COVID numbers. I I actually don't remember what the numbers were, two or or $4,000 for a container was sort of a normal price. But, (coughs) but, that is a huge deal because that was just sucking up people's margins. So as people were getting squeezed on CAC, they were also getting squeezed on um, essentially COGS. And that's two huge parts of your PL that were really hurting. And if those problems are gone, goodness gracious, now you you know, if if now it's much cheaper to get your products again and you get a bunch of margin back on freight, that's a huge deal. And that's before you talk about um, shipping, uh, excuse me, uh, 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 truck, uh, prices in the U.S., which also seem to be getting cheaper, like like uh, domestic freight on trucks. Um, there's been good indications for a while now that that's that problem is getting resolved. That that's sort of unclogging. Um, and uh, uh, it's possible also at the same time that manufacturing itself will will not be as expensive as that gets unclogged, and as there's less backlog there. So 
so there's there's potentially a future here where suddenly this momentary blip, and now let's all recognize, of course, that COVID is a unique moment in the world and that we don't expect it to be like this forever. And that therefore, it's possible that you would get back to sort of what's quote-unquote normal uh, for, um, for these kinds of costs in your business. If that's true, if that's true, now is a remarkable moment. I'm not really saying it is true, and I'm not telling you what to do. I just want to repeat that. Like, but I just think there's a bull case to be made and that pr- prices being down right now, it's, it's a rational case to be made that potentially the future of e-commerce is as bright now as it has ever been for all these reasons. I also think, of course, that all the challenges of the present moment are making a lot of operators a lot smarter. I just see continued increases in sophistication for every part of the P&L for nearly every business I talk to. They're... Ecom businesses are larger. Like I just see way more $50 million ecom businesses than I used to. They are um, more sophisticated. There's more access to data and information from, you know, native tools like, like first part, like, you know, Shopify itself versus um, third party tools like, you know, our tool Statless, which it's just, I mean, compared to where I started, like Statless.io has so much more information than anything I ever possibly had when I first started running, running brand accounts. Like it just, that kind of infrastructure is there and there's so much more data and intelligence available for your business. So you, again, and if people have solved hard problems and figured out how to manage cash in these moments, that's going to make them better operators. There's no other way to get better than to go through the challenges. And so I just see potentially this really case, this, this really strong case for the future of e-com in that regard. Uh, to say nothing of the general uptick um, or, or continuing, continuing uptake, I should say, in um, an e-commerce consumer activity that's gone for a long time, right? That graph, just sort of look at total revenue, total e-commerce revenue um, in the U.S., right? It's just up and to the right to say nothing of the rest of the world. So um, that's really it. I just wanted to make that case and say, I think there's potentially an interesting moment here. Here's an interesting moment where the future could be especially bright. And in the midst of all the challenges, perhaps we're already moving towards the back end of those. Perhaps there's something there and, uh, and there are good times ahead. So keep going, keep solving the problems you need to solve. Stay hopeful. Whether or not I'm right, at least there's a case to be made. That's really it today. Shorter episode. I just wanted to um, voice that thought. Something I was seeing from a lot of the businesses I was looking at as challenges are potentially easing. Uh, you know, I, I just I want to be honest about what I'm seeing at a given time. It's so hard to know and nobody knows the future and who knows what's the next thing is coming down the line. But uh, sort of a fascinating moment to think about. Um, think it's helpful to think about trying to zig where other people are zagging um, almost almost all the time so uh, hey if this was helpful to you if you like this episode or any of the other episodes please 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 uh, share it with somebody share it with somebody that that you think would like it as well i would appreciate that so much and stop right now whatever you're doing if you've been listening to the show if you've listened to more than 10 episodes of the show if it's been valuable to you um, the great repayment you could give me would be to go give me a five-star rating give us a five-star rating uh, wherever your fine podcasts are sold <laughs> um, anywhere you go to go do that it would, I would really appreciate it thanks so much for listening as always we'll talk to you next week <laughs>